we could turn our attention now to God's word, that we might hear from him. Our reading is inside your worship folder from John chapter 2, starting at verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, <laughs> uh-oh, all right, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And let me move this mic out the way. <clears throat> So we continue in our sermon series, God's Reasons Why People Jesus Lives and Died For. And in this passage today, it's for Mary. And even if not all of you have felt the burden of keeping a wedding or wedding party gone, we have all been like Mary, the woman here. J just a woman, right? A, a sister, a mother, a friend, a wife, an aunt, maybe a mentor, a sorrower maybe, and, and at a wedding and experience joy and fulfillment and righteousness and good and peace and justice and community in the balance. And we, like Mary, feel caught in the middle, serving and helping and hoping, right? Um, and trying to uphold and keep things going, helping those in need, living our lives, just, just trying to do and be better, to love our world. But Mary found out that there is more in loving and serving in this world as a follower of Jesus. And for that strain of service, of the world's call, of, of dilemmas call, of issues in our lives call, in her life and in ours, there are three reasons God sent Jesus to live and die, I see in this passage. First, because our world is in constant want. Secondly, our world is under the authority of God. And finally, our world is in need of what only Jesus can give. Our world is in constant want. Our world is under the authority of God. And finally, our world is in need of what only Jesus can give. Look with me at the first three verses in this passage. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus came to him. They have no wine. 
These ancient Middle Eastern weddings, y'all, were no joke. They lasted a week. Talk about a catering bill, right? A week. But the whole town would participate and people would come out of town and, and, and they would do what they could to make sure things went well. But most folks came to party and have a good time. Some people from out of town again. And the one thing you could not run out of was wine. And they would try to make the wine stretch. Stretch on for seven days and, and, and by watering it down more than it already was on the first day, right? So having the best unwatered wine first on the first day and then weaning and winding people down maybe as they drive so they could drive home safely or they could go home, right? Because they won't stay if the good food and wine and all that is gone. But anyway, I don't know whether Jesus' mother was on the wedding planning team. But at the very least, she, she was a conscientious and, and concerned wedding guest or, or like one of those mothers or fathers in the old school church that is ready to serve and head into the kitchen to cut up some ham if all the fried chicken is gone, right? Or send someone out to get a box of church's chicken. We got to make it work. There she was, Mary, a woman in desperate want in a tight situation for those she loved and felt responsible for. And what Mary might be experiencing and expressing to Jesus, we all know and feel. And if we are healthy individuals, should feel and experience the weight and the burden and the pressure of a world that is in constant need and want, a world with lots of longings. Again, the wedding week was filled and planned, right, with joyful and hopeful and celebrative expectations. Even Jesus was invited. This wedding was good. It was godly. And like them, we in our world have dreams and hopes and goals and desires all in us and around us and even pulling on us. Like Mary at that wedding, we have a whole world of people and things we love and care for and have a passion for and long for, for good for all over us. Right? It could be your brothers or and sisters or maybe your family, a spouse, your children, your parents or parents. Maybe, maybe you become the caregiver in, in your relationships. Maybe you just love your friends and want more for them or want them to be happy or, or not suffer so much. Maybe it's a neighbor or the neighborhood you're in. Or maybe it's a certain group of people you're standing in the gap for, like the nonprofit group we, we share this building with, Project 658, who deals mainly with refugees who are learning how to, what it is to live in this country, to get what they need to be successful. And now we as a church and our outreach teams have joined them in this summer involved in ESL and another outreach group is doing birthday and bingo at the Galilee Center across the street with the residents of St. James Homes. Or, or maybe you are involved in making a difference in your neighborhood and city. And that means all you believers, or it should mean that, that you are somehow in the gap for someone and something that is dying on the vine in some way that is feeling the dream, that is seeking joy and justice and peace, God's good and shalom in some way. But in that position, you are like Mary, feeling the lack in the world. 
And the pressure comes for Mary, not just, again, longing for goodness and greatness and best and good for the wedding, but the real pressure comes on Mary when she realizes that with that longing will come the lack, right? The world wants so much. They want joy. They want goodness. We all want that. We want peace. We want happiness. We want things to last as long as they are supposed to last. The HDMI HDMI port on my PlayStation broke. I went to get because of the warranty. He's like, your warranty's gone by 10 days. Sorry. You know why? (laughs) Just wanted to play my game, man. I paid a lot of money for that thing. But what happens? The lack, the broken stuff, the not yet, right? The can't get over or past stuff to get to the blessing or the goal or the joy or the hope or the good. Maybe your marriage, maybe with your kids, it's a fallen world. Murphy's Law, some of you like to call it. The sin, the human mistake, which means, guess what? Like this wedding, your longings will have a hard time being met in this world. Even good ones. Take this wedding in our passage, for example. I can only imagine. Maybe someone forgot to order enough. It happens. Maybe someone didn't water the wine soon enough. Let's make this a good wedding, y'all, right? Let's try something different this time. Maybe the wine delivery guy took a couple bottles home for himself. Maybe folks got greedy and drank too much. Maybe they invited too many people. Maybe more cousins came than was expected, right? They didn't send their RSVP, but they sure came, right? I don't know. Maybe they were perpetrating or they could provide for and host all these people. They really couldn't. And in their pride, they went ahead and did it. Our wedding list is this long, and they know they can't feed that many folk. Somebody's going to be mad, right? Maybe someone dropped the bottle by accident and didn't tell. Maybe it's just poor administration and planning. They are all visionaries with no administration. Who knows? But one thing you can always be sure of in a world with positive and even good longings and dreams and hopes, this world will always lack, lose, fall down, Not hold up, right? Have a sinkhole, a flood, a storm, rain on a parade, and in this case, run out, run low. Be overdone and outdone by the demands and make you feel like you are not enough and maybe you are not not all that you get, all that you want or all that your heart desires, even for good stuff. And Mary is right in the thick of that lack. This week, uh, Sam, the Jesus Saves Uptown Preacher, Right, I don't know if you go to the Panthers game today. If you go down there, you'll see him. Jesus saves. Okay, can't do it like he does it. I'm pretty loud, but he's louder. But he holds Bible studies and ministers to, to much of the homeless community right here in this building during the week. And he met with Amari and Derek and me and about helping out the homeless folks he runs into in uptown as he preaches. And then at the same time, he wants us to be up there to meet with people who work there or live there now in the new condos and all that stuff. And so he, he, he's caught between homeless folk who are sleeping there, and he's also got folk who live there who want the homeless folk gone. And he just says, hey, guys, why don't y'all just come down and help? We can make a difference. And I look at these buildings going,
going up in the property values, and I look how those folks feel and the business people feel, and they want Uptown to be, and I look at the amount of homeless people, and, and I, after he left, he was so filled with faith. Come on, guys. I'm like, we're going to a seven-day wedding with three days' worth of wine in this situation. It just was overwhelming. Thought we can't do it. You feel that lack for something good. We're not enough. What are we going to go down and start preaching to? No. You ever feel and know that lack? The not enough? They're running out or to the end of something. The last corner of your joy and hope and dream, but more than yours, in the middle of someone else's last chance or last hope or end of good times if something doesn't happen on the cliff in some way. This is the world, right? There is no end to the lack you will know and feel in and around and across from you drawing and calling on you and being right before you in your heart and hands to provide. There always seem to be a lack of answers and leadership and money and resources and relationships and not enough love or help or space or place or time or talent or opportunity, opportunities or mercy in this world. The wall, the glass ceiling, overdraft, the insufficient funds, right, is for all and all who care for, we care for, and are connected to. So why Jesus? He came to be in the middle of that longing and that lack. And Mary definitely recognizes the longing and lack and is honest about it, and it drives her to go to her son Jesus for help. Now, now why him? Apparently, he has not done any miracles yet. If we look at what the Bible says about this was his first miracle and all that kind of stuff. But the Bible says Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding too. In other words, I'm sure Mary's thinking he could at least be counted on to use his influence because he got a crew now, right? He's walking around with an entourage and was teaching and, and all now. Maybe he knew someone or could console some people. Maybe he could do a talk on how to get over not having enough wine. You know, he's a great teacher, right? Or, 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 or maybe he could um, uh, give the, get the disciples to, to, to get some change together and go to the discount corner store place and get some Mad Dog 2020 or Wild Irish Rolls and make that work, right? And then teach on how to be satisfied for what God gave, right? Maybe Mary remembers that she conceived and gave birth to him as a virgin. Maybe she remembers an angel showed up, right? And talked to her about just how special Jesus was and just maybe for that reason. He had a connection to heaven. He was a modern-day prophet, and so his prayer could work for God to provide or something. But she at least wants him to own this desperate situation and carry her burden. The longing and lack that she was in the middle of, she wanted Jesus to act and be a conscientious guest too. And we get somewhat of an unexpected response here, don't we? Look back at verse 1 again. On the third day, there was a wedding at Canaan, Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. 
whoa, right? At first glance, this seems like Jesus is brushing his nagging mom off, right? It's almost like Jesus saying, mom, I came here to chill with my boys, and you got to come all up in my face talking about some wine. I can't do nothing for you, ma'am, right? You jump from the jelly to the jam, right? I can't do nothing, Right? Is the Son of God, Jesus, being disrespectful to his mother, calling her woman? Don't try that, kids. <laughs> Have you done your homework, woman? <laughs> you got to do the Jesus symbol. Woman, what hath this to do with me? <laughs> and if you get in trouble, say, Jesus said that to his mom. I'm just following the Lord's example, mother. So woman, no, don't do it. Even husbands in here, for those of you who are married, don't say, woman. Can you take the trash out, woman? What hath this to do with me? Don't do it. So is Jesus being disrespectful? It doesn't sound very respectful as we read it in our language. In our day, we just take it for what it is. The use of woman as a word towards his mother for Jesus, is not disrespectful in and of itself. But it is a term that is meant to be irrespective. Hmm. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am not going to answer this like a son who has to and only will do it because of who you are as my mother. All nepotistic prayer life stuff, right? This time and space and situation right here is about me answering you, hear me now, like I would for anyone, any man and woman of the whole human race. I will treat you as special as I would treat and handle this with anyone. So yes, woman, not mama. This is good for you and me. Because he does not elevate the one who gave birth as the virgin. Virgin no more Mary, right? He is acquainted with her and connecting her to the human dilemma and desire. Uh, uh, and that happens in here. And what happens here, therefore, is true for the whole human race of those caught and struggling in the longings and lack of the world in and around them. That this Jesus is not just Mary's son, but God's son. The son of man, the son of humankind, who came to be acquainted with the human condition. He came to be right in the middle of the weddings and everyday longings and lacks for everyone. Understand, God and Jesus is with you where you are right now. And that like a mother would her son, he came to be asked by us in our need to be in the world to be burdened by everyone's burdens. Not just his mother's. To let us know that our world and all of its wantings are under the sovereign will of God. And we see what this means, that whatever our longing and lack it will be dealt with, right, in his way and in his timing. And that's what we mean by the word sovereign here. Look at verse 4 with me once again. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Jesus is basically saying, we just can cut to the chase. Woman, your concern and my concern may not be exactly the same. 
I have your request. I see your issues and feel your very human dilemma. I know you are standing in the gap for good and for your friends, but I, Jesus alone, stand in the gap between what you sincerely want and what God ultimately wants here. That Mary, this is more than a, about a longing and lack of wine or an embarrassed host or, or bride and groom in a community being let down in your pressure. Jesus is saying with full understanding and consideration and heart of what you are going through and how frantic things are right now, this is actually about things unfolding God's way and God's timing. Look again at verse 4. Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. When Jesus ever talks about the hour, about his hour in the Bible, he's usually uh, talking about the hour he would die. And sometimes the hour is all about, it, it later is about when he will return to earth a second time. But Jesus is also using it as a way to simply tell Mary that his life and actions are divinely exact. That his life and actions are in tune and in time with God's divine plan. So he is saying, I'll deal with the wine situation, how and when and if the Father God and the sovereignty of God tells me. Because I am Jesus as the second person in the Trinity. I am and must be and do divinely and sovereignly. I am synchronized with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Not your timing, the Lord's timing. And so guess what? That's actually good news. I know y'all hate to hear this kind of stuff. It's not your timing, it's God's timing. I don't like that. If it ain't my timing, God's late, right? Late for me? I asked him to come now, this way, through this door, with this answer. More wine, man, right? I don't need all this stuff about your hour. I need wine. People out of wine now. Folks starting to get restless. People talking about going home. We, we got to pay the DJ. Come on, man. We done paid a lot of money now. And we're talking about wine here. You're, some of your lives out here are in a real mess. It's no joke. It's not funny. It's not a wedding. If you don't get some answers now, it's a problem, right? You're looking at it. You're looking at that bill. Now you got, what is it? The, the pink notice. That's it. Water about to get cut off, right? Something. Student loan letters coming. You, you know what the envelope look at. Some of y'all have memorized that letter. But good news. Sort of. The answers to your prayers and your life and your request are also synchronized with the sovereign will of God when you bring them to Christ. Wow. Okay, let's break this down now. That means when you bring your prayers and issues and longings and lack to Jesus, and I'm saying this right now, I'm going to regret it later. Okay, because I'm going to be mad that Jesus didn't answer something the way I wanted, and then I'm going to have to remember I said this, okay? Your requests are being answered in the time, heaven's time. Not Eastern Standard Time, right? 
not Central Standard Time or whatever, Western, whatever it is, right? Heaven's time. That's good, right? You're synchronized with the sovereign God. Isn't that good news? No, because y'all want it now. See, Mary's faith here is not primarily in going to Jesus. You know, yeah, prayer is big. The fact that you have faith to go to God and bring your request to the Lord in faith is big. But her biggest act of faith here is what she says after all of that my time woman stuff, right? She says what in verse 5? His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. She leaves it in his hands. She leaves it in his timing, right where it already is and always has been, where it needs to be left, in his sovereign hands. Why did God send Jesus? So that our greatest stresses and desires can be left in the safest place, in the safest, most confident way, in the sovereign and good and right and perfect answer and plan of God, who is in and at and aware of your dilemma more than you are. The old church song and saying goes, he may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. Right? His way, his time is a supreme timing. Had lunch with an elder from Christ Covenant Church, our grandmother church, down in Matthews. We serve on a committee together for our presbytery. He was telling me the story of his doing missionary work among First Nation Americans in Alberta, Canada how he went all the way up there and ended up working with the youth and children. In Alberta, you can only swim like, that's what he was telling me now, okay? I don't really know. I'm just going by his story. Some of y'all like watching National Geographic. You know better than me. But listen, this is what he said. That you can only swim like four weeks of the year, right? Because it gets too cold, right? So they were having their missionary trip right during that four weeks, right, of the year. And he was working with the kids, and the kids have been waiting all summer to swim. And they planned this big thing. They had this fast food from McDonald's brought in, hamburgers and cheeseburgers piled up, nuggets and fries. Woo! It's great being a kid. And, and it was going to be awesome. And they were waiting, and all the missionaries went in to do it. All these kids showed up in the community. And a hailstorm came. On probably right in the middle of the best day to go swimming. At the cookout. Okay, not a regular cookout, a church cookout, y'all. A missionary, we doing this for God cookout. And we flew all the way from Matthews to Alberta, Canada to serve people who are forgotten. We that kind of cookout, right? We helping the impoverished and folk who are in a place where they're not having good, not getting justice. We went there. We bought all the hamburgers. We trusted on the one day the kids, could, for the kids, Jesus. <laughs> and a hailstorm came. And it forced everybody inside. You know what he told me? It wasn't until everybody got inside out of the hailstorm that he realized they had never talked the whole week. That he only set up things with the kids and stood in front of them. And here were their families 
and their cousins and their friends. And he said, for the first time, we were able to actually share our faith in a way that swimming in a pool, even though I'd like to try it in a swimming pool, you know, it, like, even though like swimming in a pool, eating McDonald's would not have accomplished. I tell you that so you would also see that God sent Jesus to live and die for us because our world is in need of what Christ alone can, can and came to give. Because sometimes unknown to us, Jesus wants to give us more than what we long for or lack. Look with me at verse 6 through 10. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servant, fill the jars with water. They filled them up to the brim, and he said to them, now draw some out and take it into the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to them, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Canaan and Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now back to and when Jesus asked his mother, what does this have to do with me? You know what Jesus is saying to his mother, the woman Mary in this passage? My concerns are different and more than what you may be stressing through and about for your issue and dilemma and friends and family and world. Now get this now. And combined with the reference to his death, Jesus is saying, you need more. Though maybe no less than what you're begging for, they might need some wine. Okay, I, I care about people's joy and lack through your request and prayer. But I, Jesus, will do and ask to do more through you and others than you have even begun to think or imagine God is going to be doing through you. More wine? Supplying for your important earthly lack is only the beginning of what I'm going to do, Mary. And maybe you can't see it in the desperation of the moment, but Jesus wants to give us more than what you are asking for and longing and lacking sometimes. And Jesus has got this whole thing at this wedding set up perfectly, doesn't he? I mean, the sovereignty and providence thing is at work right here. Let me go ahead and say this, just in case you didn't know or notice this about the Lord. He answers prayers and gives with strings attached. Okay? He, as the Bible says, gives us more than we can ask or think. In this situation, is of no exception. Mary needs wine, and he does turn water into wine, and that is the small, y'all. That's the little. That's the lesser. That's the secondary miracle here for Jesus. You see, these 20-gallon vessels are not just any water jugs, right? Right? Y'all see that, right? The, the Bible says these were ceremonial cleansing water jugs. Now, Jews would use this water, specially set aside water, to fill tubs to bathe for holy functions, or if they would become religiously unclean in some kind of way, touch a dead body, or, you know, something kind of crazy goes on, they could wash in this. This transformation of water into the best wine in vessels by Jesus points and illustrates a greater miracle in the story. You see, at this point, and you can tell by Mary's request, she and the disciples are following Jesus just because he's a holy man. He's a good teacher. He's a spiritual celebrity. He makes you feel good to be around. He's your ticket 
to getting invite, invite to all the parties and weddings. You start to look like you're resourceful. You start to feel like a contender, like you are somebody. Someone could depend on you and he squeeze because you're hanging out with Jesus. But Jesus didn't come to be a simple holy man and good teacher. And some of us are right there. He came to be the power of God in the flesh to save us from the brokenness of sin and world and life as a result result, that will never be enough. Where is the bigger miracle then? Do you see it? Look at verse 11 one more time. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Do you see the bigger miracle? Do you know what that, that, that word believe in means? It just doesn't mean, mean intellectual ascent. It means the disciples went from just believing what Jesus was saying and that he was saying some cool things, nice dude, to committing. That's what the word in the Greek means, for belief means, to commit their lives on him. It means they began to put the result and hope of their lives on what this Jesus can do and who he is, the to act and live for and do and shape their very lives around him. These vessels of Jewish water, his disciples and Mary the woman, their vessels of Jewish water became believers by the power of Jesus working his grace through what they saw and heard from him. Did you not know faith and belief is the miracle of Jesus? where he comes into the everyday of your lives, where and when we feel the longing and lack, and he doesn't just give us water to wash it off. He fills us with new life, with new wine, with a new ability to believe him, to be and bring power and peace in our lives and in our world. And that means a whole world of things. As vessels of God, regular people, that is, like you and me, are transformed like a miracle into those who believe him and filled with his grace and spirit. We kind of become a river, a fount, a a keg for some of you. A vat of God's grace comes pouring into and then out of us as people who've been changed to believe and like that miracle took place in verse 11. Our lives can manifest his divine glory in the earth. As we love and care for the world. Like he told the servants, the Lord uses a woman who's feeling a strain and struggle. And Jesus uses her like the water jugs beyond what she could ever have thought to manifest the glory of God in the world in this situation. Even if the whole world doesn't know it. She is effective for his purposes. Because Jesus done a miracle and helped our unbelief and given us faith in him in difficult circumstances, saving, following, serving Jesus in our world with and for him. Faith is not manufactured, y'all. It is a miracle work of Jesus. You sit and you believe Jesus because he did it. He turned you water into wine. So love, so go, so serve, 
So pray. So stay in the hard and dry and desperate. Time is running out place. If God has put you there, if you are there with Jesus as your Lord, it's okay to keep standing in the gap, to be in this world, to weep with the world, to enter into that impossible to save relationship because the Lord can and does use empty vessels and watered down weak people just like you and me. Husbands and worried mothers and wives and brothers and friends and teachers and business people to bring and manifest his joy and peace and love and power in the world. Through the miracle of changing who you thought you were into what he knows you can be. The relationship with longings and a lack that you hope to be fixed sometimes take longer. I'm telling you, if you ain't lived long enough, it don't take, it ain't, everything don't happen overnight. Charlotte's not going to be changed overnight. I'm sorry, your marriage is not going to be changed overnight. It's going to take decades because you won't change, Right? Jesus is in a business as the Lord to make believers and make you believe and trust and glorify him through it. Rather like Mary and wondering why he was not responding possibly like she expected, nevertheless, she left it up to him. Which brings us to the final and best miracle here. So I close. You see, when Jesus said that stuff about his hour not coming, he was also wanting those vessels and wine to point to him and his life and death so that we can not only become believers, but so that we can be made right before God. By using these jugs to hold water and then turn it into wine, Jesus is saying, human beings and their lives are like these jugs of water. They do everything they can to make their world and lives clean, trying to wash themselves and be made right before God and others. They seek to try to make life and themselves stretch and make sense. They did it they did and like they did in watering wine down back then with water. But no matter how hard we try, like water, it is no substitute or good way to make wine actually any better. Our lives are never enough. Two are good enough or best enough to be accepted and used by God for his perfect goodwill and plan. You see, the master of the feast in the story is God the Father. And our lives are not satisfactory. We lack and so Jesus, as we see alluded throughout the whole Bible, that Jesus' blood, his bloodshed was the wine that made God pleased with our, with our shortfall, our lack, and our broken lives. You see, Jesus doesn't make us better. He's not committed to making us better only, but this miracle says he lives and died to make you and me the best we could and will ever be because of him. All because Jesus' blood became the wine, the only and the best wine, pleasing to God. So guess what? So that the party 
the relationship, the wedding between fallen man and a holy God can not only happen and begin, but continue on for all eternity. Do you hear that? God wanted you so bad, you believers. He wanted an eternal celebration of you and me with him and each other, a party and joy with us and for us for broken people so badly that he let his own son be treated like an irrelevant, dispensable water jug, but who out of his suffering, his blood would be like wine that is poured out bountifully and fully and beautifully for sinner to be all up with God forever. That Mary, woman, you are not seen at all. I didn't come or answer your requested longings and lack so that the party could go on for just a few more days so that you could have temporary happiness. But so the party and joy for those who are mine will never end. Why, God? Why did Jesus live and die? So that when you die in this life, because of the wine of his blood, you will live forever with him. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give more out of this life than we can see or ask or think. You bring miracles of belief and faith and hope. We're all trying. We're all trying to clean up and clean up our world. Thank you, Lord, that you come in and you take all that and you change it. Continue to work in the hearts of your people. There are people who are really caught in dilemmas. And they're wondering, God, when and how? Manifest your glory, Lord. Help their unbelief. Help our unbelief when things get tough, when things get hard. Lord, I pray for those of us who want to give up, who don't want to leave, leave it in God's hands and want to take care of ourselves. We want to be angry. We want to pout. We want to be mad. Help us, Lord. Know that you are the God that turns water into wine and regular people into believers, into people who are faithful and willing to take risk for you because of what you did. Thank you, Lord. Be with us, we pray in this, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.